Welcome to the Professional Writer Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Christensen, and I'm here to help you confidently plan, launch, and grow your writing-related business. You'll find the show notes and a link to join our private Facebook community at bloggingbistro.com. Our topic for the day is one that I'm really excited about, and it is writing for children. I don't have any experience writing for children, but I happen to have a guest with us today who is quite experienced and proficient at writing for children, and her name is Diane Stortz. Welcome, Diane, to the podcast. Thanks, Laura. Glad to be here. Diane and I have been working together for many years now. I can't even remember how many years, Diane. Can you? Yeah, it was about 2015 that we did my website. I can tell you, Diane is an absolute delight to work with. She's one of those people that that when you think about who your dream client is, like Diane is right up there at the very top of my list. You are so organized. You know exactly what you want. You give me very clear and specific directions. There's just no nonsense. You know, if I screw up or do something wrong, you're like, nope, go back and you need to fix that. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, maybe that. maybe that comes from my editorial background. I don't know. Yes. And Diane, you do have quite an editorial background. So I'm just going to give kind of a, a brief intro to you, and then I'll let you do some talking yourself and tell us about how you got started. You're a multi-published author. You have books for both children and adults that have been published by Tommy Nelson, Zonder Kids, Bethany House, and IVP, which is InterVarsity Press. You've also experienced both sides of the publishing world because in addition to writing for children and adults, you have served as an editor, an acquiring editor and an editorial director during your career with Standard Publishing located in Cincinnati, Ohio. And also you and your husband have, have been married for a long period of time and you have two married daughters and five grandsons, all boys. All Woo! boys, all boys. <laughs> My husband is one of seven children. He had six sisters. We had two girls. Our girls married men who had all brothers, and we got all boy grandchildren, and we love them to death. Are things kind of loud when they all get together? Very, very loud. Yeah. Constant motion and loud. But they're fun, aren't they? They're great. They're just so much fun. I just love them. And the thing that I loved the most about parenting boys, and I'm not so sure this is true with grandparenting as well, boys are so quick to forgive. Like when you mess up as a parent mm -hmm. and you ask their forgiveness, she's like, oh man, I just did a really bad parenting thing there. They're just like, oh, no problem. And they just move right along. They don't hold grudges at all. That's what I love about boys. <laughs> Not quite as emotional as girls. <laughs> they are not too emotional. At least mine weren't. Yeah. So, or aren't. They're still alive. They aren't. Let's talk a little bit about your career in Christian publishing. How did you get started as an author and when did that happen? My books, the ones that you were mentioning, I began publishing those around 2006. But to go way back to the beginning, I was not a very athletic child at all. I did a lot of reading. In fact, I have a very distinct memory of the day that I learned to read. I was sitting in reading circle in fifth, first grade, looking at the big Dick and Jane easel the teacher had there. And I remember really clearly, all of a sudden, the words, the letters on the page became words, and I could read. And that was amazing. 
And after that, I just took off reading everything. I remember my mother taking me to the children's library in Anaheim, California, where I grew up. I remember going up the steps, getting my first library card. And I was just a voracious reader all through school. Really, a love of books took hold back then. In high school, I had a wonderful journalism teacher. His name was Larry Quilly, and he had quite a program. His classes produced award-winning newspapers and yearbooks, and I really learned to love writing a little more there. Writing always came easily to me, but I learned that there were some places I could use it, whether in newspaper or magazine. We patterned our yearbook after Time Magazine and Look Magazine in particular. They were very visual at the time, and we learned to do layouts and write our headlines and our captions to fit exactly. And we actually did win. I think we were the best high school yearbook in the country in 1968. We had very good training. And then I went on to college. I was a journalism major. My senior year, I realized I was not cut out to be a hotshot reporter. I didn't, just didn't have it in me. I didn't know what I was going to do. A very long story, but the Lord led me back here to Cincinnati, where I was hired to develop Sunday school curriculum at Standard Publishing. They were looking for an editor for new curriculum for two and three-year-olds. And I was given that job, kind of fell into it, loved it discovered I really like working with God's Word. That's how we were just kind of building along the way. I did write a few books to go along with that curriculum. That was fun. I still didn't have a real strong drive to publish. I was quite happy just doing what I was doing. I left Standard for a few years to have my family and came back part-time and did a couple of other things One of those was working on one of the magazines where I did a lot of editing of other people's articles. So I was honing that editing skill, learning how to tighten writing and that sort of thing. And during that time period, I did write a few more books for Standard for various lines that they were producing. And I knew I had a knack for it, but I still didn't have a real strong drive to do it myself in any bigger way. Also, Standard kind of frowned on employees publishing with other publishers. So that was a deterrent. You know, I didn't really push that boundary at all. And then I think it was 1996, I was asked to join the department that included producing Standard's line of Happy Day books. I did become the Happy Day editor. Happy Day books were inexpensively priced picture books very much along the line of Little Golden Books, oh, okay. if, if listeners are familiar with that line. And most of these Happy Day books were really intended for use in a classroom, in a Sunday school classroom, as supplemental items. But it was a popular line. Many of the books did find their way into homes. I had been reading a great deal of the time to my own children, reading picture books. And and I I wanted to upgrade the Happy Day book line a little bit. And that was the goal of bringing me on to do that. I did that for several years. And about this time, Standard was looking for ways to grow its business. And one of the avenues that they were looking at was expanding their children's book line. 
one of the associations they developed was with a gentleman named Mike Morris. He was from the UK and he developed novelty books, board books with extra features like little animals that you could squeeze, die cut books, books with music, just any kind of book that was not your normal cover and paper pages. Standard developed a relationship with him, and I got to work with him and his team for a number of years on the books that we developed together. He would do books for the general market and then work with us to adapt that format to a religious or Christian content. We could write our own material. We didn't have to take his book and make it Christian. We took his format, his physical format, and made it Christian with whatever content we developed to go into that format. And he worked with us and his team. He had a couple of editors dedicated to working with his Christian publishers. But we were his primary publisher in the Christian market. That's where I really began to learn a lot about book production and how it can start with a concept and a dummy, some sketches, some content ideas, and how you would go through that whole developmental process. And that was fascinating and interesting to me. I loved working uh, with those books. Ultimately, Standard decided to continue developing and publishing other Christian children's books as well. And so I started working as the acquisitions editor for children's books. I was able to go to trade shows and people would pitch ideas at me. I could wander the sales floor and look at all the new products that were coming out. At that point in time, the trade shows were very big and publishers brought all of their new lines to show to buyers. Going to a trade show would be an education in itself. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Because you learn to spot trends. And I would also look for what was missing. But as time went on, Standard went into books for all ages and everything kind of morphed. So I was doing children's editing, acquiring, and eventually just directing the team of editors that were working on all of the book product that came out of Standard. And so there came a point when it sounds as if you left Standard altogether. Is that correct? That is correct. In 2006, for a couple of years, I'd just been feeling like I needed to be doing something else. I felt like I had something inside. I wanted to see if I could publish books myself. And I also had kind of wanted also to get back to editing, which I had always loved doing. So I left and I established a freelance editing business, Mm. had thought that I would do that and see if I could develop some book projects as well. In 2012, I think our uh, second grandson was born and he was living here locally and we were looking after him while his mom was at work in 2013. I could tell the editing side was, I was kind of losing a little bit of drive for that. But by that time, the book publishing had begun. And so I've just devoted time to that ever since. You have had quite a storied career, Diane. Well, Uh, it was long. I'm old. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I can see how everything, though, you know, you're talking about from the time you were in high school and you were in the the newspaper and the yearbook classes to what you're doing now. One thing has led to another that has led to another, and they all are somehow interrelated. Like you could use the skills that you learned from the previous job in the next thing that you did. That's really true. You just never know what you're learning today that you might use tomorrow somehow. Let's fast forward to what you're doing now. You're writing children's books. You have written a variety of different types of children's books. You've done Bible storybooks, picture books, board books, devotionals for children. How do you go about finding and shaping a new idea for a book? Well, one thing I learned long ago is that if I'm looking for ideas, if I'm thinking about ideas, they come to me. But if I'm not focused that way, they don't. They don't come. I have to turn on a little part of my brain that says, all right, it's idea time. What are we going to do here? But another thing that I think might be a little different about me as a writer is that I think about books as products. I think most writers think about their story or their, their message or the topic of their nonfiction book, whether it's for kids or adults. But I don't know that they think about developing a product. That's what I gained from being at Standard and working with Mike Morris is learning to think about these books that are out there as products. I want to write books that sell. And at the same time, I want the books I write to be important and to matter. Going to the trade shows or even just I used to peruse book publisher catalogs that would come into our office and look at them. What's missing? What isn't being published that maybe needs to be published? Sometimes there's a reason why there's a hole in the marketplace. For example, books about death and dying for children to help them understand, especially the Christian point of view. There aren't many, but that's for a reason because the market will only bear one or two titles on that subject for, for children. When you look at, say, we'll say Bible storybooks, there's a plethora out there, right, mm -hmm. of Bible mm -hmm. storybooks. So if I want to write a Bible storybook, I want to think about what's going to be different about this book. What's going to be special? Why would anybody buy this book? How's it going to speak to them? What's it going to accomplish? If I settle on something, it has to have a really strong hook, something that will give the whole book structure. For example, my book, I Am 40 Reasons to Trust God is about the names of God in the Bible, names and descriptive titles of God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. And I chose to say, gee, could I tell the whole story arc of the Bible in Bible stories, but each story would also speak to a name of God and illustrate what that name means. So that book had a really strong hook and structure. I'm not very good with titles. So I I'm title challenged also. <laughs> I owe that title to somebody or a team of people at Tommy Nelson. I'm not really sure who came up with it, but it was a wonderful title that really speaks to what that book is all about. Once I have that structure in mind, then I usually go to the computer and start developing a book proposal. That helps hone in on what am I really trying to accomplish here? Who's it for? What are the basics here? What does this book contain? And then I usually try working on a couple of the stories to structure them. By the time I'm ready to sit down and write, 
I know exactly what all the parts and pieces are for every story, how those basic parts and pieces are going to go together. And I even set up my manuscript in Word. It's like a template. So it's got a place for the title and a place for the scripture and a place for the story itself. And if there's a prayer, if there's a verse, or if there's things to think about or talk about, all those places are right there in the template so that I can just then sit down and start to write when I'm ready to do that. This is so helpful, Diane, because I have heard a fair number of people who have tried their hand at writing fiction or nonfiction for adults and have found it to be too challenging or too difficult for them. And so they have said to me, well, I'll just write a children's book then. What I'm hearing you say is that writing a children's book is every bit as time consuming and you you put as much thought into creating the story arc and all the pieces that are going to go inside of the book and looking at it as a product and doing all the planning for who is the reader for this? How am I going to reach them? What's missing in the market? Those are all the same things that you would do for writing a book for adults. That's very true. And people do sometimes have the idea that it's very simple to write for children. And usually those people haven't read very many children's books, or they're not very discerning about the ones that they have read. They haven't read enough. They haven't read widely enough in the children's market to understand what's quality and lasting and what's just Mm -hmm. out there for a very brief time. So that's good advice. If you're thinking about writing a children's book, the very first thing you want to do is read a ton of children's books, both general market books as well as Christian books, so you can get an idea of what's out there, what's missing, how they're structured, and all that other good stuff that you need to know. That's um, right. You become an educated writer of books before That's you, right. an educated reader before you start becoming an educated writer. Yeah. And of course, knowing some children well and knowing what children like. So many writers will often say, well, my children or my own grandchildren love the story. Well, they love you. So probably they're going to like your story too. They have a good relationship with you. They want to please you. But you need to think beyond that and know what children are doing and thinking and saying and watching and how what you're wanting to do is going to appeal to them. Do you think in pictures as you're doing your writing? Some authors have told me that when they're writing a novel, it's like they see a movie of the whole book playing in their mind. How does that work for you, Diane? I think that's most important for picture book writers to be able to think in pictures. Most of my books have been Bible storybooks or devotionals. And so I know those are going to be illustrated according to the action of the story or what's being discussed in the devotional. I don't have to think in pictures that much for those kinds of books. But for picture books, it's very, very important for writers to be able to think in pictures That doesn't mean that the pictures you see are the ones that will wind up in the book. You have to be able to know that there are a lot of different picture possibilities for the story that you're developing, the words that you're putting on each page or on each spread. I want to clarify something just for myself here, because I want to make sure that I understand the genre, the different genres correctly. Mm -hmm. A picture book is a book that would be, I'm guessing, primarily pictures. And does it have words in it as well, or just a few words? Tell us a little bit about the difference between a picture book and, say, a storybook. A picture book is generally 32 pages, sometimes 40, but mostly 32 pages. It can be fiction 
It can be nonfiction, very fact-based, or it can be a concept book. I believe editors want no more than 800 to 1,000 words. Mm. That's not very many words. Good picture book writers learn to tell a story concisely, use words really well, tightly to tell that story. There used to be something called a picture storybook, which could be a longer picture book, maybe 40 pages, maybe 64. The story would be longer. There would be quite a few more words on the page, but there are illustrations throughout the book as well. And those aren't, I don't think, as popular today as they once were. So the picture books are still very popular. Yeah, especially in the general market, it's very popular. And that's partly because general market publishers have libraries, public libraries as buyers. They have public schools as well. Christian picture books, less so. It's much harder to get a book into a public library. It does happen, which is great, but it's harder. I have seen in the last couple of years, Christian publishers producing more picture books. But at the same time, I hear agents say picture books are still a very hard sell to publishers because the market isn't as strong for them. They don't think that Christian parents buy picture books from Christian publishers as much as they will buy a devotional or a Bible storybook or something like that. What do you see happening in terms of what parents are wanting their children to read or to read to their children as opposed to what their children are wanting in terms of picture books? One of the cardinal rules of writing picture books, fiction we're talking about here, is not to set out to teach something, but to tell a good story. And in the process of telling the good story, there's likely to be something to be learned but the child reader will assimilate that important thing to be learned simply by reading the story and seeing how the main character handles a problem, solves a problem, grows and develops. And one of the cardinal rules is that the main character should solve the problem by himself or herself without any real adult swooping in to teach the lesson. But often, still in Christian picture books, in fiction, there's still that teaching component where an adult comes to impart the lesson and make everything right. Some of those books are popular, I think, because parents want their kids to hear that lesson. And that's good. And if the illustrations are adorable and the writing is good, that book can succeed but it it's, hasn't really risen to the level of writing that you might see in the general market. And children are just like adults. Sometimes we read to be informed. We want to learn something, right? And we go after that. But many times we just want to read for enjoyment. And children are the same way. They want to enjoy the process of reading. Sounds like there's a bit of a tricky balance there. It's really between... hard. I've, I've seen this year at least one really good, strong, strong attempt at producing a book where it's a story and it does impart a lesson, but it's not overbearing at all. And this was a book published in the Christian market. Sometimes too, Christian picture books have been conversations. 
you know, a mom and a child or a dad and a child mm-hmm. or whatever. And the whole God Gave Us series by Lisa Todd Bergen, Bergren, that's what those books are. They're conversations, but they're good conversations. And the illustrations are wonderful. And the, the bears and animals in the illustrations are doing really interesting things. And so those books have been very successful, but many times conversation stories, there's nothing to illustrate. It's just two people talking. We want to steer away from that kind of, of book. Now, there are really good concept picture books in the Christian market where a writer takes a concept from scripture and develops it through you know, text that is really interesting and illustrations that are really interesting too. And those come off nicely. It's the fiction, the stories in picture books that give Christian authors a challenge. And one of the things you've alluded to several times as we've been chatting is illustrations and the illustrators. When you're producing a children's book, I'm guessing that you're typically going to be working with an illustrator in some capacity. What does that look like? Most of the time, the author really does not get to interact with the illustrator directly. If there is interaction at all, it goes through the editor or the art director, or usually both, at the publishing house. Many times, authors don't even see the illustrations. I will say that I've been really fortunate, I think because of my background, many times I've been sent the sketches to just comment on before Mm -hmm. the illustrator starts doing final artwork. And that's been really wonderful to be a part of it that way. And I, I don't know how often that is extended to other authors, but because I worked on so many books and worked with so many illustrators and kind of have a feel for what should be in illustrated books, making sure that the illustrations really make sense and really match up with the text well and that sort of thing. I've been able to have that interaction, but I've never interacted with the illustrators directly. I've had the pleasure of seeing a lot of your books, Diane, and they are beautifully illustrated. They you are. are. I'm very so fortunate. You have amazing, amazing illustrators for your books. I'm They're very just fortunate. Delightful. So if you're working with a, a royalty publishing house as an author, you typically do not work directly with the illustrator. That would go through an editor at the publishing house itself. Right, the editor. And, and often most houses now have art directors who get involved mm-hmm. and work with the editor there to get the illustrator lined up and to get some basic ideas on paper and then to get sketches from the illustrator. Let's wrap up with your best advice for a children's writer who is just starting out. If someone is thinking about writing children's books and learning the industry and finding their voice, what would be maybe a recommendation of, of something that you maybe they shouldn't do and or maybe something that you think would be really great for them to do? Well, you mentioned finding your own voice. That's really important. And there's really only one way to do that, and that's to write. If you are reading widely in children's books, you probably find yourself attracted to certain types of books. Many writers don't start out writing books, however. Well, years ago, many writers would start out writing for Sunday school take-home papers. And I don't even know if those exist anymore. But there are still children's magazines. That can be a wonderful avenue for writers who are starting out to learn to develop stories and to submit and hopefully to be published and have a few credits to put in that first book proposal. Going to conferences, it's the standard advice, but it's the best advice 
is to go to conferences to learn craft and to learn about the industry and to network with other writers and with agents and editors and to go more than once, go to more than one conference because it helps editors and agents see you as someone who is committed to your craft and Mm -hmm. who's in it for the long haul. There is a lot to be learned on your own as well online. There's just a treasure trove online. There are good websites and good places to go to learn about children's writing, to learn about the industry. There's a lot lot you can do. If you can join a chapter of the Society for Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, they often have critique nights where you can share some of your work with others. Critique groups are great. I've heard really good things about the organization Word Weavers. As I look back over my own career, I think I was a little lazy, actually. Maybe it wasn't laziness. I wasn't focused. I wasn't driven to publish for many, many years. I was quite happy to be doing what I was doing, which I think is okay. Even when I left Standard and started out on my own, I don't think I worked at the writing part of it as diligently as I could have. When it came to things like platform and marketing, I'm always playing catch up. I would advise aspiring writers to do the work, to focus, to be consistent, stay with it and build your ability and your platform and your experience. Some of the things that you have been doing consistently over time to build your own platform and to connect with readers and future readers, you were blogging, but you're not doing that quite as much now. Is that correct? Well, I still have my blog and mostly what I've been doing on it is book reviews because of children's books. Yes, of children's books. <laughs> Chris, of Christian children's books. Because with the closing of so many bookstores and the mm-hmm. the major chains and all, it's just much harder for parents or grandparents to know what books are available. This past year, I did decide I was going to focus on doing book reviews and I was also going to focus on my newsletter and my website because those are things that I own. I am less enamored of marketing on social media than I used to be, although I know it's still important to have a presence and do it well. And again, it's like finding your own voice. What are you good at marketing-wise? I'm not that chatty. (laughs) Social media, I think, works great for people that are extremely relational and conversational and, and kind of quick. And that's really not me. And so to have time to do a book review on a blog or work on a newsletter, that suits me better. Yes, you are going to be stepping outside of your comfort zone when you're doing platform building and marketing, but do it in a way that feels comfortable for you and suits your strengths, I think is huge. I, I get so many emails from writers going, I have to figure out how to use Facebook and how to do a Facebook page. And I'm thinking, ah, it's almost like you're throwing stuff at a brick wall to try to do Facebook page marketing these days. Mm -hmm. You know, if you started doing it 10 years ago, you're in pretty good shape. Mm -hmm. But if you're just starting now, it's extremely difficult because Facebook pages have become an advertising platform and they want you to buy ads on their platform. And that's how they're going to show your post to more than two people. (laughs) 
or 20 people or however many you're getting, more than 2% of the people who have liked your Facebook page, your Facebook author page or your business page. Personal profiles are a different ball of wax, but you're not supposed to be promoting your business on your personal profile anyway on Facebook. So Mm. there are lots of restrictions and more and more restrictions being put in place on an almost daily basis by the major players in the social media world. I'm with you, Diane. I'm not a particularly chatty or conversational person either, so I'm not much of a a user of social media. However, my email group is active and I'm actively growing that. And it sounds like that's what you're doing as well with your book reviews on your blog and then sending out regular newsletters and emails to your subscribers. Mm -hmm. That's the group that you own in a sense. You have a little bit more control over them than, than on a social media platform where they can randomly decide to shut you down at a moment's notice. Right, right. And I've been trying to build up the newsletter and make it something of value that people want to open and read when they see it in their box. And I'm getting there slowly. You're listening to Diane, who has had tons of experience in many, many, many aspects of the publishing industry. And she is saying it's hard and it takes a long time. You have to be patient and be thankful for each new subscriber that you have and do what you can to establish a relationship with that person over the long haul. Mm -hmm. So I want to go back and just kind of recap some of the things that you have been saying about how to get started as a children's book author. And I've been madly scribbling notes here, so hopefully I can read my handwriting. Some of the things you've said are to read widely, to get a feel for the types of books that you like best and that you most want to try your hand at writing. Mm -hmm. You may want to start off by doing something other than a book, by maybe writing an article or a story for a children's magazine or some other type of publication that is out there that you can write for. Go to conferences, go to writers' conferences, learn about the industry, learn the craft of writing, network with other writers and editors and agents. And these days with the COVID-19, a lot of writers' conferences are online now. Right. But many of these conferences also have the opportunity for you to have a one-on-one appointment with an editor or an agent. And so they're still every bit as valuable as going to an in-person conference. So get yourself to a writers' conference, whether it's an online conference or as things begin to open back up again, go to an in-person conference and go to multiple conferences and different conferences. Learn online. There are tons of resources about how to write for children online. Join a chapter of the, I want to make sure I said this right, Diane, Society for Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. S-C-B-W-I. S-C-B-W-I. Okay. Mm -hmm. I will put a link to that in the show notes at bloggingbistro.com. Join a critique group. And I was in a critique group a while back, and we had a couple of children's writers in the critique group. We also had people that were writing fiction and nonfiction, magazine articles and books for adults. So we had a whole variety of different types of writers in our critique group, and it worked really well for the particular group that we had together, where we had this kind of mashup of different types of writers, and we all learned with one another and from one another. So join a critique group, join Word Weavers, and again, I'll put a link to Word Weavers in the show notes. You also said educate yourself on platform building, on marketing, websites, newsletters, blog posts, social media marketing, and most importantly, be consistent. Get yourself out there. Don't be afraid. Start doing it. It's going to take some time, but hang in there and be patient and do the work. Right. Anything I'm forgetting, Diane? No, I think you you got it. 
You got it. <laughs> All right. And where can we go to learn more about you? My website is dianestortz.com. And Stortz is S like Sam, T like tree, O-R, T like tree, Z like zebra. And again, I will also put a link to Diane's website in the show notes over at bloggingbistro.com. Well, thank you so much, Diane. This was an information-packed session. I learned so much from you, and I know that my listener will also learn a ton from you. Well, I really hope so, and it's just been my pleasure to be here with you. Listeners, we would love for you to join the discussion. Uh, Diane is a member of the Professional Writer Podcast Community Facebook group. If you have a specific question that you would like to ask her about writing for children, I have a feeling she might just chime in there with a, a response. And we are here to support and encourage and challenge and learn from each other. And you'll find a link to join the group in the show notes. Thanks so much for joining us today for the Professional Writer Podcast. I'll be back with you again next week, same time, same place.